Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I hate to disappoint you, but this week I'm not talking about cannibals or murderers or gluttons. Nope. Today, Tamers is here to let us know about the return of the king. But before we get into last week's message, now that they've become wealthy through extortion and violence, let's not abandon our favorite co-hosts, Marin and Tim. Good day, guys. Good day. <laughs> guys, we wow. are live and in the flesh. What That's a great. beautiful yeah. day it is. Yeah, yeah, Barry's not live in the in the flesh, but we are. First time in over a year. Yes. I, it was weird even just to hear the theme song in my yeah. headphones. You haven't heard it in I a long time. I haven't heard it in a year. Thanks for listening, Marin. Thanks for listening every week when the podcast comes out. That's really... Nice. <laughs> do you re-listen to this podcast when it comes out? Uh, you edit it. Together. A lot of times I do not, <laughs> but there are many times where I'll forget to edit something. Like for example, <laughs> I think it was like three weeks ago yep. I was on the golf course and David Cottle texts me and he's like, did you do it on purpose? There's like two and a half minutes before the intro song where you guys are just like cutting it up. And <laughs> did you do that on purpose? I was like, Oh no, I got to go edit that yes. part out. So what, a lot of times I don't listen to it, but what would we do without David Cottle? Yeah. He <laughs> saves <laughs> us from a lot, a lot, uh, guys, no Barry. He is probably getting sunburnt on the beaches of Florida. So he's, he's gone for a week. He's while the cat's away, the mice are playing. We are, we are playing. Uh, (laughs) Tim's about to go on a, on a sabbatical. I am got a lot of questions about that. What are you going to do? But, uh, before we get into all that, what is new? What's happening? What are you guys up to? I feel like I'm up to a lot and it's all happening at once. I'm preaching this weekend. I've got to get stuff together for uh, Amy Snow, who's leading worship for me this weekend. There's just a ton that needs to be done um, in regard to work, but also um, my, my daughter turns 16 tomorrow. Oh yeah. You yeah. talked about that last week. Wow. So we're going to Chicago to listen to trains or something, right? That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. We're, we, we won't do that until the second week of June, but that is mm. what she wants to do. So tomorrow Wait, I'll just spend so- the day with her. Listen to trains, really? Well, so we used to live right next to Midway Airport and between the noise of the airport itself, and we were right in the flight path, um, and the train yards that were just right. like south of us, it was just this like constantly humming atmosphere, especially at night that the planes were, you know, a little more quiet, um, you know, mm-hmm. mid- Midway settled down when, when the sun fell, um, but the trains never stopped. And so you could park down the block because we didn't have a driveway or parking spot or anything like that. And as you walked up to the apartment, you would just hear this like, sure. Like yeah. shrill kind of squeal of the, the brakes. I guess. I can't, but yeah, I don't know why we're into this. Why are we into this? Why? Yeah. Um, I, I get that completely. When I went to seminary, I lived in a, in a efficiency apartment right on the railroad line. And I loved the feel of the mm-hmm. build, even the building I was in as the train would go, trains would go by and the sound of it, it just was almost, it became comforting. <laughs> yeah. It's total, it's total atmosphere and nostalgia. Nostalgia. That's all it is. Yeah. Do you care about this or is this just a Desi thing? I always like smile when I go, you know, visit that neighborhood. <laughs> like it, I, we lived yeah. there for so long and it's just, yeah, it is comforting. There's also a uh, corn plant, like 
a couple of streets to the west of a us. Corn plant, huh? Oh yeah. So <laughs> it smells like dog food and it sounds like oh, no. shrieking uh, train breaks. So great. Funny. Happy wait. birthday. You know, <laughs> she's not a train spotter, is she? She's not into train spotting. No, no. Okay. Cause that's a real thing. Oh yeah, I know. What you go look for trains. Yeah. There used to, uh, when we lived in England, you would see them and you can still see them now, but to be kids all over in the stations and up on uh, bridges that go over trains, uh, lines and stuff and they've got books with every kind of train that's running in Great Britain mm-hmm. and they're trying to see every locomotive oh wow in the country because it's because it's except for the channel all of the trains just run in one spot. They don't go far away. They just stay in the island. And so they can actually, it's a finite space. Huh. And so they have books with all the trains and No, I would imagine their trains are cooler than ours. Oh yeah, everything about <laughs> yeah, everything. <laughs> like what isn't? Well, yeah. Well, no, but yeah, I've got. No, we don't need to start on Tim on train story. <laughs> have I ever told you my train story? I have a train story. What? Uh, have I ever talked about it on this show? No. No. When I was in college, which usually good story is uh, to follow. Yeah. When I was in college, uh, a couple of my friends, we were in Birmingham, Alabama, and a couple of my friends and I dressed up as hobos. And we went to the train yard or like where there was a train station or whatever. And we hopped on a train. Okay. Very dangerous. And we just sat like on the, you know how they have like the ladder. Mm -hmm. We sat like back there. Was the train moving when you ran and caught it? Yeah. Okay. Very, very dangerous. So we. (laughs) Like don't do that ever. Well, so we rode the train and we were just going to be on there for like a minute but then we got, we just like sat there and then we fell asleep on it and we woke up in Tennessee. <laughs> That's great, yeah. That's we great. woke up in Tennessee. We had to call people to come pick us up. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love the line. We dressed up like, hobos. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we did. We wore costumes. Uh, yeah. Funny. Tim, what's your train story? Um, I got a, I played in a band with a guy that, was riding his motorcycle really drunk and <laughs> oh no and he was looking back over his shoulder to see the where the person he was riding with was and he didn't notice that there was a train crossing the tracks <gasps> wow oh, no. and his motorcycle slid under the train and it drug him a mile before it stopped and in the process yeah. it took skin off. rashes happen Ooh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah. he lost one leg and like half no of his way. fingers. And, oh yeah. I've told you Randy King. I played with him. Oh for a my long time goodness. In the, in the positions. I was in a band called the positions. Oh for my Quattle, goodness. And he's like a legend in Indianapolis, but he played it wow. with this wooden leg thing on there. And I, I don't want to talk about all the stories about the wooden leg, but I played with him for, <laughs> oh, no. I played with him for a year before I knew he had a fake leg. Yeah. Yeah. And oh wow. The first time he showed it to me, he, he op- he pulled up the pants leg and he had two big holes in the top part that went from his stump, which was just a little bit down from his hip. Mm-hmm. And in one was a big bag of weed and the other was a gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That's, 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 so I got lots of Randy King stories. Yeah. Wow. All right. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Marin, do you have any train stories? Um, so I had a lot of friends that did like train hopping back in the day. And, oh, um, so when you dressed up like what you just called a hobo. Those are your like, friends. Yeah, those are my friends. Those are my friends. All right. 
Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, as we said, Barry's not here. He'll be back next week. I think, are we wrapping up the Micah series next week? Yes, we yes. are. All right, cool. So he'll be back next week. But for this week, Tim, we're going to, we're going to revisit, uh, we're going to revisit a uh, uh, tale. Wait, something we used to do all the time. I was going to say a tale does old as time, <laughs> tale does old as time, but something we used to do all the time, every time Kim, Tim would uh, come on the show. And that is listen to songs. Tyler's probably never heard of where Tim and Marin bring each, right. bring a song and we kind of go through it and talk over it and uh, just kind of jam out on, on some music. And so before we do that, I want to talk to Tim about your upcoming sabbatical. Okay. So yeah. we acknowledged it at grace this past weekend. We acknowledged it at our membership meeting, but you are coming up on a long overdue and uh, snatched out of your grasp twice, twice. Yeah. <laughs> sabbatical and pastors that work at grace um, are blessed to receive a sabbatical. I don't know. Every seven years, seven years. And, uh, so you've had to return from sabbaticals twice, right? And, uh, this time that's not going to happen. You're going to go away for three months, four months, right? It's from, uh, Memorial day to labor day. So I think it's 13 weeks. Okay. I don't, I don't exactly, it just makes sense to make it between the two holidays. And, uh, yeah, I've, I'm really looking forward to it. We're not in a place where there is a possibility um, that I'm going to be needed for something really important, which was what happened the last time. And, you know, I understood why they asked me to come yeah. back. But um, you were in England when they asked you to come <laughs> back, right? One time I was in England. Yeah. The other time I was at the lake up in Michigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where are you going to be this time? We're going to the lake this time. We can't get into England. Oh, that's right. So, well, you can get in, but you have to stay in a hotel for two weeks of their choosing and pay for it yourself. Plus, you have to pay for a really expensive test on the beginning of, of their your, choosing. Yeah. And the beginning and the end of your um, quarantining. And it's just not I mean, a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah. I don't want to go there for two weeks and stay in a hotel mm. and yeah. then. We were, we have um, a trip planned in October that we've rescheduled twice um, because we can't get into the country, but okay. so I'll come back from the sabbatical and I already talked to Barry and everybody about this, that if I can get into the country in October, we're going to go, mm-hmm. even though I'll have come back and then only be here about five weeks and then we'll go away for two weeks. Yeah. So yeah. that'd be good. And uh, so are you going to spend the summer in Michigan primarily? No, we're going to spend... Five weeks of the summer. Okay. Three in, three in June and two in August. And you guys live on a lake. Is that right? Up there? You have Walloon, a house up there? Walloon. Yeah, it's Walloon. It's a kind of complicated story, so I don't need to go into it. But um, my wife's family's been on that same lake in that same home for, I think our grandchildren are generation six. Wow. Whoa. My children use the word summer as a verb because that's what they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, up there. And um, we're just ingrained into the community, uh, have been for really pretty much all of our marriage. We've mm. gone up almost every summer and I keep, that <laughs> sounds really stupid for me to say, but we keep two boats up there and they're old. I mean, we only use them when we're there. And yeah. the, my boats are both from the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Like so fishing boats? I have, I, have a, I have a sea nymph, little aluminum fishing boat with a Honda uh, trolling motor. 
It's not a trolling motor. No, I was about to say it's a, it's a big monster one that that'll boat go 40 <laughs> miles an hour if I want it to. And then uh, it's, we use it to fish. Settle down. But <laughs> I just get really excited about trains and boats. Man. Yeah. Well, this lake, you can live on that lake and there's a grocery, there's a little village, Walling village at one end of the lake and you can do all your shopping and visiting yeah. and everything you need to do by boat. And we do all that by the little fishing boat. And we have a really old sea ray, a 19 foot sea ray that's in perfect shape and is now an antique looking kind of boat, but it's just a little rocket and it's wonderful. And if we want to ski anybody or if we want to quickly get down the lake to visit somebody, we, we, and it's really nice in the evening to go out and have a meal on it. So we do that. Are you, do you, have you ever like caught your own fish up there and cleaned it and eat? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't done, I haven't caught and eaten for a few years, but we used to do that all the time. What we used to do is you kept everything and cleaned it and froze it. And then we'd have a big neighborhood f fish fry with everybody from about five houses mm. on the lake. And there would be a freezer to just be filled with everything that everybody caught. And then they yeah. just fried it. It was just a big wonderful thing and the the generation that actually put it on have now all pretty much passed away mm -hmm. and nobody's taken over that responsibility but that was for decades and in, in my life that was i just kept everything i caught i don't keep anything now mm. if my wife would say tim i'd really like to have fish for dinner i'll go out and fish for it and i'd clean them but we don't i don't very often keep it yeah yeah it's that's not part of it anymore. It used to be, I kept them all. I want to do that one time. I, I've never done that. You've never cleaned and gutted a fish? Well, I don't want to do that part. <laughs> I want to eat the fish that I catch. Okay. And I've really never even caught a fish, <laughs> but you've never caught a fish. Not, not that you would eat. Like you get the little like fish. I don't know. What, what is it? Like a bluegill or something? Bluegill, lake perch. Yeah. I grew, no, I, I don't eat. I grew up with my parents frying lake perch. Hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. We Good catch stuff. lots of those. Catch lots of perch and bluegill and a lot of smallmouth bass and mm -hmm. a lot of largemouth bass. And sometimes you catch a walleye. That's a, that's, that's a, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we can do that sometime. Let's go together. fishing guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, you know, Lucy Rodriguez married a guy that always has a fishing pole with him. Always. Yeah. And like he says, yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was a landscaper, I kept a fishing pool in my truck because I'm, you know, a lot of the people that I did work for lived on water. Mm -hmm. Here so I, in central Indiana? Absolutely. Yeah. The, that, there is a, there is a pond. Land of a th 10 okay, lakes. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going <laughs> to surprise like no you. no water here. <laughs> no, oh, no, but if you go down Hazel Dell, almost to 116th street on the West side, there's some houses that are right against the road and behind it is a gravel pit, an old gravel pit. And that thing is so full of fish. They, they. Is it a retention pond, Tim? No, it's not a retention pond. Come on, it's, give us some credit. It's a gravel pit. It's an old gravel pit. That's right. different than a retention pond. Mm. I just see fountains yeah. everywhere. It's the land of a thousand fountains. Yeah, but the place where we're going is a natural lake and it has, I think, eight springs in the bottom that turn it over. And so it's the same temperature from when the ice comes off and it warms up to the natural temperature. And it's the same temperature right straight, straight through the summer. So if you go in June, it's the same temperature it'll be in 
August. Hmm. So when you go on sabbatical, do you have like a purpose, like a, this is what I hope to feel or do or think, or is it just like, I need a break and that's it. And I'll take whatever experience I have. This time I am going with absolutely no idea of a comp of what I might accomplish because the last two times I had so clearly delineated what we were going to do and what I was going to accomplish. And then it was cut off yeah. that all it was, was just disappointment in my spirit. Mm. Um, I will probably, Jennifer and I have always wanted to create a book. I, I don't talk about this much, but you know, I was a lit major and I write poetry like Philip Larkin. You do. And I didn't know that. In that vein. Yeah. Yates, that vein. And she's a photographer. And I've always wanted to create a book with her where she does pictures that go with the poetry. Mm. And now I'm going to probably, I'm not taking any theological anythings with me to the lake this time. And I'm probably just going to work on poetry so that I can give her like 30 done completed works mm. and say, now they're in your, um, in your hands to take the right, make the right kinds of photographs and we'll see what happens. And, and I would only do it for my children. You know, it's just like, you know, I got music that I've recorded and there's music I need to record. Yeah. But that's only for my children. Really? You would never share uh, that with other people? I'd share it with you guys, but I no, I'd be embarrassed. I'm a 67 year old man. What 67 year old men make records who weren't making records when they were 19? Okay? Well, you were making records when you were 19. Well, that's beside the point. But I, 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 was <laughs> never, on. I was never famous when I was uh, 19. That's what everybody says. Look at the Rolling Stones. I go, yeah, look at them. They've been doing it for you know since they were teenagers, and everybody's known their names since 1965. How dare you? Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we are, um, we're hoping that you're going to come back refreshed and Jennifer's going to come back refreshed and, um, whatever, whatever God has for you. I can't wait to hear it, but you guys are leaving. You guys are done, I guess, after Sunday. Yeah. This I preach, week, right? Yeah. I preach at Fisher's. Yeah. And then we're done. Done. All right. So we'll see you after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Cool. You guys might see me, you know, I'm, I'm around. I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not coming to church. Can we do a fish fry at your house? You sure could. Whoa. <laughs> sure could. Gird your loins. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tyler, you're wearing a, a red, white, and gray shirt and you yeah. look like one of my high school gym teachers. And he does. That's what? Like, <laughs> or, totally what like are you talking about? Right now. Or he looks like he's, he's secretly letting everybody, it's like a shirt you wear when you're way into Alabama football, but you don't want to let, and it's like, a, it's sort of like a signal to the rest of the world. I'm into, I'm into Alabama uh, football. That's Neither of those things are the look I was going for <laughs> when I put this shirt on today. I think it's also because of the headphones. Yeah. Like you, you look like you are a football coach at my high school. I got this shirt at a vintage, vintage store in Nashville, Tennessee, because I wanted some vintage like golf clothes. Mm -hmm, yeah. Did it say Thornton Fractional South anywhere on it? <laughs> Is that your school name or something? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, all right. We're in uh, week three of our current series focused on the book of Micah. 
And Tim, you gave the message this last weekend mm-hmm. and you primarily focused on uh, three different passages in Micah. Um, but what was kind of the big idea that you wanted everybody to kind of absorb and walk away with this past weekend? Well, the main idea was that those passages, while giving people hope, are also speaking about the coming of the king, the eventual coming of the king. And I hope that I, it, by the end, people realized that they were also prophetic passages which spoke of Jesus. Mm. And I was knocked out by the choice of song that Marin had for the end of it. When I looked on Planning Center and saw that she was, they were going to do that song, it was like maybe the Holy Spirit had been working on it because the whole point of what I wanted to say was to bring a big emphasis on who Jesus is as the mm. king that fulfills that. And then she had that song and it just, it overwhelmed me actually. For anybody who hasn't seen it, what song was it, Marin? It was All Hail King Jesus yeah. was the name of the song. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I love when things you know, you always hope that things can come together like that. Um, well, we didn't talk about it and it came together. It was overwhelming to me. Yeah. It's awesome. God rules. God rules. God rules. God rules. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I got a, a new song. toy. I got a new podcast toy <laughs> and I uh, haven't really sorted out the kinks yet. So God rules. But uh, yeah, that was good. And another, another good thing is uh jeff mccracken shout out yes. to jeff led uh vocals yeah. for the first time for the first time ever so was the first time yeah yeah so i think he used to sing at the church he came from back in like pennsylvania and he sang a little bit in college but that was his first time singing here at grace he did a great job yeah good job jeff you know i think jeff listens <laughs> jeff's a friend of the pod yeah you know i gotta be honest this is gonna sound terrible but i didn't know that that was their last name. The, McCracken. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Lexi and Jeff. Mm-hmm. It, yep. I've just always known them by their first name. It, it's, now I'm scared to hit one of these sound things again. Because it might get stuck. Yeah. Stuck, stuck, <laughs> yeah. stuck. All right. So that was the big idea. And um, so when we talk about prophecy at Grace, I don't know who came up with this, but we've said it for a long time. Prophets don't tell the future they tell the truth. I don't know if Barry said that or you say that or they, I don't know where that started, but we say that every time we talk mm-hmm. about prophets. Um, but it seemed like a lot of this stuff was telling right. the future. You're right. I think that we have to be careful and say that they don't tell the future because they, they do. Yeah. Times. And straight up in the gospels, it'll say, and this happened to fulfill the prophecy of, and then it'll give the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't think that we can throw a blanket over the whole of everything and say that it's just telling that it is the truth, but it's the truth in a sense that God knows the beginning to the end. And yeah. this is what's going to happen. There are some of it, some of it is difficult to figure out until you see the historical stuff come about. Mm-hmm. But the thing about, the king coming from Bethlehem, that's pretty straight up. Mm-hmm. It seems like a both and, right. you know, that the prophets will at times tell the, the future, yeah. um, you know, the king coming from Bethlehem, but we'll get into it next weekend. But when Micah is saying to do justly and love mercy, he's not telling the future. He's telling the truth. Telling the truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you started in Micah four, six verses six through eight. And it says, or was it two? Wait, 
It was two something, but that doesn't matter. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, I, the first note I wrote down was from Micah four and it says in that coming day, says the Lord, I will gather together those who are lame, those who have been oh, exiles yeah, yeah. and those whom I have filled with grief. And you said in the, in the ancient world, if someone was lame, people assumed that it was because their parents or, uh, or their sin yeah. or their, they had done something sinful. Um, and the same with exiles. And I was thinking, and I was, I was hosting on the chat this past weekend and there were people in the chat saying, this has been true for me. This isn't just ancient. Like I, there was a woman on there who said, I have uh, cerebral palsy and. Right. I know. I probably know who that is because she wrote me a, mm. an email. I've okay. lived a portion. She said, I'm, I've lived a large portion of my life where people have told me my condition is a result of that of simple behavior or my parents or whatever. So I feel like in, in Marin, you've been to Ukraine mm -hmm. and with mission to Ukraine and people with special needs over there. Like that is, that is a very prominent belief that if you are, um, if you have special needs or, uh, disabilities or something that that is a result of you or your family doing something wrong. Um, but it, it was, it was healing to that woman. I don't know what her, her email said to you, but it, it was that. healing. Yeah, it was healing for you to acknowledge you just to acknowledge that. Hmm. Yeah. Jesus' whole ministry was debunking that. Yeah. Um, and you said, God isn't just going to gather these people up. He's going to make them a strong nation. And that's kind of counterintuitive. Like that's counterintuitive to what a people were expecting at the time. And B, I think probably what we would expect, <laughs> like uh, I kept thinking about the king being born under the circumstances in which Jesus was born. And I th kept thinking like, if this were to happen today, I feel like we would expect the same, like if we if we hear king's coming and he's going to build a kingdom that's going to take us and make us a strong nation, we're not going to think like weak like we're not, like you said, we're not going to start the, the nation from scratch with the weak, weak among us. Like, right. I, I feel like we would miss it today. Yeah. Time to start pumping iron. The King is coming. He wants a strong army. <laughs> yeah. Got to get ready. Right. But it's absolutely in line with the way that God works. Yeah. And the people that were hearing that originally were in a position where they were the weak people. They were the oppressed people. They were the ones who'd been defeated they were the ones who'd been wounded in battle. They were the ones and all that stuff. And so the promise from the prophet is that, that what God is going to do is not going to leave them aside when yeah. he moves in the future. And that's the hopeful aspect. Mm -hmm. it, so, um, says God's going to restore power to and might to the kingship of Jerusalem. And people hear that. And they're pumped because they're picturing human kings, but Micah wasn't talking about human kings. It's not, it's not what God meant. Um, and then Micah five is just like straight up right. prophecy. Um, and I guess my question, I don't know enough. So these might be very dumb questions. I don't know enough, but for the people reading this at the time, why wouldn't, when Jesus was eventually born, why wouldn't it have been obvious that this is who Micah and all these people are talking about? Why wasn't that as obvious as why I, as what I think it should have been? Well, primarily because he, 
his birth in Bethlehem was based on political needs for them to go to Bethlehem for the census. And his family was from Nazareth. And so everyone knew him as a person from Nazareth, not as someone from Bethlehem. Most people were, most people didn't move around like we do. Yeah. You know, I was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania, but that doesn't have anything to do with anything. But if, if it'd been in their time and I was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania, I'd have probably lived in Hershey, Pennsylvania for the most of my life. Mm -hmm. And so who knew? In fact, we don't even know that people talked about Jesus's birth and where he was from at all until the gospels were written. And, and they mentioned that he was born in Bethlehem. We don't know how much they talked about that. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, two of the gospels don't even talk about him being born. And so it it wouldn't have been generally known. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why people would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Or the, the religious people go, what do you mean there's a prophet in Galilee who's claiming to be the Messiah? This can't possibly be the case because he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Now, we do know that people wondered every time a child was born in Bethlehem. There weren't that many. But do you remember when Herod has all the babies in Bethlehem yeah. mm-hmm. slaughtered? They think that might have been about six or seven children under the age mm. of two. And while it's still terrible, but that they were actually thinking about that at the time, wondering if this next child would be the coming king. So I guess my dumb questions start here. Why, why doesn't everybody know that now? (laughs) Like there were comments in the, in the chat saying like, it, it's always baffled me why Jewish people don't acknowledge that now there's there are a lot of reasons that they don't acknowledge it we also have to remember that when there are texts that are written post events with prophecy in mind it's really easy to say they just added that in to make it look like it works with the prophet with Hmm. the prophecy And since we don't have any original texts, people talk about editors and uh, authorial intent to make a point constantly. And so we see the text as honest and truthful, and it speaks to us because we believe that it's someone telling us something they absolutely believe is true. Yeah. And- other people see it as something that is propaganda added later to make a point so that they can maintain. I got you. Yeah. And so if you've been taught all of your life that the new Testament is a, is a book that was written by people who are trying to make a point and they're taking our prophecy out of context and they're trying to, to make it say things so that it looks like it works. And you've never heard anything other than that. It's just what you think about it. And yeah. you have to you have to come to some place where you change your attitude about the text. And I will say this, that when you talk to a Jew, I've talked to a lot of Jewish friends of mine about this, and they don't believe any of the passages that we think are, are talking about Jesus, especially the Isaiah ones. They don't believe that stuff has anything to do with Jesus. Hmm. They know who it was about. It's all about Cyrus. Yeah. 
and they can prove it's, and it could be that in the time frame that Cyrus was the king and he did these things, that it's prophecy that spoke to him too, but it also fits perfectly mm-hmm. into the, so it's a both and, 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 you know, the, the whole, they have a lot at stake if they're, if, if we have a lot of stake if we're wrong, yeah. but they have a lot of stake if they're wrong too. Yeah. And so they just stick with it. And, and remember they hear, they hear that Jesus was the product of a, of a Roman soldier named Pantera hmm. with Mary and that he learned all of his create, his magic arts in Egypt and that he was not, his stuff was just magic that anybody could have done if they'd have gone to the magic school in, in Egypt. And they've been told this all of their lives. And so they don't start with the same givens that we do. If you'd heard that every time anybody talked about Jesus and they said that that's where this came from, then you would be shocked if somebody said, no, he was God. No, he wasn't. He was a guy who was an illegitimate child with Mary, who yeah. had a baby with a Roman soldier, and they went to Egypt, and he grew up there. And the reason he showed up when he was 30 was because he'd been hiding out in in uh, Egypt, learning the black arts. And that's what you believed. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck at Pantera. I just learned where that word came from. I'm stuck yeah. at magic school. I was this moment years old when I realized- Wait. That Pantera is... Pantera is the name of the Roman soldier who birthed Jesus. As as the or, legend would say. Yeah, or, may also, <laughs> and there may also be silence. a legend that there may also be, and I just want to qualify this, there may be a legend too that that's the name of the teacher in Egypt who taught Jesus the black arts. But, but that's where the name comes from. I would give up a lot to go back in time and go to a magic school. <laughs> like an ancient magic school? <laughs> yeah. Like a divinity? You know, you, know, hey, you know what they call that in the ancient world? <laughs> Medical college. <laughs> oh no. You'd be a doctor, Tyler. That's right. That's right. Magic <laughs> school sounds awesome. He'd learn, yeah, he would learn, he'd learn how to pull teeth, sew up wounds, and and do special potions. Potions, yes. And uh, incantations. Oh man. Um. Yeah, so you you kind of touched on what I was trying to communicate, which is like, is there a point in history where Jesus would have shown up and we wouldn't have missed it or we wouldn't have like acknowledged like, that's definitely the king? No, I don't think so. I think that's in the future, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, I don't know exactly how to talk about that, but um, I don't think so because... There's just no way that people can't make assumptions about about text. Yeah. And remember, they're using the Old Testament. It has a lot of promises of a coming king, especially in the prophetic parts and in the Psalms. Yeah. And hey, look, we do the same thing now. There's a whole batch of people who have a very clear idea of what is coming in the future. Mm. And it's all based on assumptions about what verses are telling us. Yeah. And when, and the, the, when I said the only thing they got right was Jesus was born in Bethlehem and that was for a purpose so that the wise men could be told where to go find Jesus. Mm. And and I've got a theory, and I think I've talked about it before. I have a theory that if you go through most of what their expectations were, the ones that took them away from Jesus, that 
we get all that stuff eventually from Jesus in other times, especially the stuff that we know about him if he, if and when that time comes that he rules the world. But so they were right about some stuff, but they had just built this huge scheme that made it impossible for them to accept that he was the person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, what if Jesus comes back and there's no, and Israel has disappeared on the earth? Are people going to go, you can't be Jesus because there's no Israel? Yeah, exactly. Because there's a real possibility. There's a real possibility in if the world keeps going that there may be a time when the Arab nations all turn on Israel and they destroy the whole thing. We all go, oh, that can't. Well, it's. There's all kinds of stuff that we yeah. never thought could happen. And it and we could be thousands of years away from the fulfillment mm. of the return of Jesus as to make the world what it, I, we don't know. Mm. And so it would be possible. I mean, just think, I just think of all the schemes that people, you know, when those guys preach with those great big charts on the, on the walls behind them and stuff, and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Yeah. They're just guessing. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marin, what, uh, what stood out to you this past week? I'm always interested in what you think about like prophecy and when you hear th- messages like this. Um, just the, the hopeful redemptive nature of this prop prophecy. This was, as you said, at the beginning of your sermon, we weren't going to spend time talking about, you know, the cannibalistic actions and behaviors of um, the corrupt um, people of Israel. This was a message about hope really. um, And the, the coming of the King and um, restoring Jerusalem um, that, that the shepherd would once again, gather his people like sheep in a pen. Um, and that new King make his. Tr- you only asked that question. So you yeah, can hit yeah. that button. <laughs> Bless your heart. Um, <laughs> making a strong nation out of people who are lame and weak, as we've already talked about, even in this episode, that is, um, those are characteristics of, the kingdom of God, even as we see them in the new Testament. Um, I think for me, as I've been studying Micah to be able to speak on it next week, it gives you whiplash. Micah's all over the place. Right. Mm. He is all over the place. And it seems like as we read the text, the way that we have it presented to us, it turns on a dime at a moment's notice. Right. It does. We have to remember that they would have a single scroll and they would get a prophecy, and if they could write, um, or they would have an amanuensis, um, they would just continue to write them down back to back on the scroll. They didn't divide them up, and they would read out the new one at the time that it was given. But then when we get it at the end, it's all bunched together. And so that's the problem with prophecy that... You have to really, now the thing you're preaching this week, um, the passage you're preaching this next weekend, and I'm preaching it at Fisher's, at least that one, you can tell who's talking, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times you just can't tell. And I'd love to see somebody take the prophetic books of the old Testament and do them like a script. Hmm. All of them, like Amos and Hosea and Micah. Right. Do all of them as a script, put who's speaking when and somehow have after their name at what some kind of background like you would have with you had a drama script. Yeah. Because it would really be helpful. I remember one time I taught the book of Hosea. This has been years ago. And I just 
when the, the class was only to cover like the first two chapters. And the last week I said, okay, get your Bibles out and I'm going to start at the beginning and I'm just going to go through and tell you who's talking where right through the whole book. And they freaked out. They were like, oh, thank you, thank you, <laughs> yeah. thank you, thank you. Because you've, I'd done the work to right. know that. But they, everybody's just writing all over their Bibles. Somebody wow. speaks here and somebody speaks here. And this is, this is a new start. And because you can't Yeah, tell. you have no idea. And the verses and the chapters don't help us either because they're just random. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It can give you whiplash. Yeah. And how in, in one sentence he's pronouncing judgment and in the next sentence he's giving the people hope. Yeah. And it may have been 10 years between right. these two statements. Right. Ugh. That, that My, makes, I know that's supposed to give us hope, but this makes me feel like, how am I ever supposed to know this without I, Tim? Like no, Tim can never leave. Tim. Well, Tim doesn't, Tim reads other people. <laughs> well, what would we do yeah. without William Lane? Mm. But, um, or in Micah's play, case, Bruce Walke. That's right. right. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Walke. <laughs> Believe God. I'm eternally grateful, Mr. Walke. No, I th- it's encouraging to me because I don't know how many times, and we might have mentioned this on this podcast too, but like how many times do you try to just read straight through the Bible? I'm doing it. Yeah. This year. This is my year. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And you get to some challenging passage of Leviticus. scripture. And it just kind of knocks you off your game and yeah. you, you know, it's over. so it's okay. Like for as many times as I have throughout my lifetime, tried to go back and read some of these more difficult books. I would say that Micah is a difficult book to read. It is a difficult book. Um, again, it's short, but it's dealing with so much um, detail and. Could you guys hear that? Yeah. I did hear oh, that. Interesting. All right. Sorry. Um, and I guess I just realized that he was writing really at the same time as Hosea yeah. um, and Amos. I right? mentioned that, I mentioned that at the beginning in the first week. Oh, I was at Fisher's. That's like, it's like I'm sorry. <laughs> this but reality I said, is hard. I said, um, can I just say those two sermons were really good. But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and there's like literally other than in, in my computer, there is no reference or record of them, but that's neither here nor there. There's just a written version. But um, I said that, that Micah was writing at a time when God was working overtime to get the people's attention. Mm-hmm. And I told all of the prophets that write at the same time. And that the fact that God was going to was trying to speak to the people through so many prophets is yeah. a proof that he really cared and he wanted to get their attention and he couldn't. Mm. And Micah's prophetic uh, time was like 60 some years. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's oh a short goodness. little book. And so you know, he gets mentioned and I mentioned this in my sermon in Fishers that a hundred years after Micah was a prophet, Jeremiah quotes him exactly when things all fall apart in Jerusalem, mm. he goes back and he says, Hey, just like Micah, son of what's I forget who he said, it's or or from Morasheth, mm-hmm. yeah, of, uh, said, and then he quotes him ident just perfectly about the what's going to happen. And he and then Jeremiah says, And that's what's going to happen like next week, and that's what happened. And so they they were paying attention to these guys, mm. but um. It's yeah. Those books are very hard to to ferret out if you just have them. If you're just reading, yeah, right. 
Yeah. Right. It seems like to understand it, you really have to do some digging. Well, and remember that until way, until like the nineties of the first century, the only text that the church had was the old Testament. Until what? Like the nineties when you start seeing the, well, they had the, like the gospels and some of the things of Paul, Paul were written in the sixties, but they didn't start to become fully integrated into the church broadly until you get to the nineties that people are starting to think about holy texts as like the uh, gatherings. And even then they didn't even, you know, it was in the fourth century before the new Testament was essentially decided upon. And hmm. so you got 400 years of the church primarily focusing on old Testament and whatever books they might happen to have hmm. in local churches. That's wild to think about. Yeah, think about how back, how far back four hundred years. That's the sixteen hundreds. Yeah, hmm. it's a long time. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, Marin, you're up next, right? I am. What what well, do we? We're, we're kind of both up next. Tim's preaching. Oh, Tim's preaching in Fishers. On the same passage at Fishers, oh, and I'm preaching in here. All right. Yeah, they're just trying to figure out their life preaching feel and vibe. Yeah, I have had people tell me that they love that I'm there, but they can't see me. Huh? Why? Because they don't have the gear to put me up on the screen. Ah, oh. wait. That, that is so interesting. And I had some older people tell me that it was disconcerting to them because they are so used to the screen yep. that they were looking at wow. me and they were like, this is not good. That's very, very I, interesting. Uh, I'm going to hold my tongue on that. <laughs> you do that. I'm watching. <laughs> Just okay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, it was interesting. Even when, I mean, I'd been at Fisher's for about two, two years when I came over to 146 and saw life preaching in the room again, it took a, t a little bit of getting used to. I think when, when Fisher's has been your environment and you are so used to a larger than life image on a screen, bringing you the message every week, it is different. The, the first I time to. I preached at Fisher's, which was a probably within the first three months, I went over there for some reason and preached and I had this comment, you're a lot smaller. Than I <laughs> oh no. It's like, well. you're not as big as I, what, I was like, what do you think I was like seven, three? You're a grown up boy. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, so Marin, what do you, what do you guys both give us a little taste? What are we going to hear this weekend? Um, well, as Tim described, it's one of the most famous passages in the entire Old Testament, Micah chapter six, um, focusing primarily on verses one through eight. And this will wrap up our Micah series. Mm -hmm. Um, you have moved new furniture into your house so that you can get into the study for my sermon zone. Oh my goodness. I needed it so badly. And so do you feel in the zone yet or we need a little more time? I do need a little more time, but I'm almost there. I'm <laughs> okay. almost there. Okay. Yeah. So Marin used to have a chair. Is that right? You had a chair in your house that you would sit in <laughs> yes. and write your sermons yes. and- that chair is gone. That chair is now Jed's call of duty chair. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. And so Jed and Marin, um, assembled some furniture 
together. And now that's your study furniture. That's right. right. Well, and my husband just started uh, graduate school. So yeah. really it kind of was based on a need for both of us to have a quiet yeah. place to study. He took your, he took your sermon chair and now that he's got to go to school, we got to get some furniture <laughs> what, in the study room. Yeah. What is he studying? Uh, he's going to get his teaching certificate. He has a bachelor's degree, um, but he's going to get his uh, special education teacher's, okay, teacher's license. You know, I'm just waiting for somebody to say, English literature, just someday that somebody will say, when I say, what are you going to graduate school? And they go, English literature, then I won't feel like I'm so alone. Oh, <laughs> you, no. You could probably I'll, talk I'll, Desi into that, but Jed I, is never going to be your English lit guy. Jeff Unruh <laughs> is the only person I know who, who along with me did his graduate work in English literature. Wow. Nice. All right. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, let's go to some music. Let's Wanna do, do that some music? for the first time in over yeah, a year. Yeah, first time in over a year. I'm listening to music instead of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> right now. Uh, all right. Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first because I, I, I feel like Tim's is going to be more exciting than mine. Okay. I picked this song very last minute upon arrival in this space when I realized that Tim brought a song and I should probably bring a song. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I picked it because it came to me in the most... Well, and I guess it's appropriate considering the furniture I just built. It came to me in the most weird way. Ikea has a display of like lamps that are also like speakers. I guess they're Bluetooth speakers or something, but the lamps. (laughs) Months ago, I was walking through the section and I heard this song and it's very rare that a song strikes me immediately. And I'm like, I need to know who sings this song. Is it a new song? I guess so. They're playing it at Ikea right now. <laughs> so you got, you know, it's got to be new. Yes. What is it? Um, so I guess from what I understand, it's like a super group of indie artists. Um, let's see. Phoebe Bridges is one of them. Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus. And they're called Boy Genius. Yes. When they're assembled together, they're called Boy Genius, but they all have solo careers in their own right. Okay. I just really like the tone of that guitar. It's just pretty. It's big. It's very guitar driven, which was refreshing. So I have played this song to death uh, in my home. My children hate it. They hate it. Why? Because okay. I played it too much. Oh. I killed it. You ruined okay, it. Okay, I'm just saying Carmel High School Radio. Yeah. yeah. Voice of the Greyhounds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the feel just gets all of you. I remember playing songs like that and I'm thinking, we can't stop this song. has to go on forever. Why? Because it feels good. It just feels so oh, good. Feels it's good. like you just need to keep doing it and doing it. He gets it. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it's nice. I don't feel warm. Oh, You're missing Tyler. it. How am I supposed to feel? It's a good thing he's on the opposite side. Well, how am I supposed to feel right now? Warm. Warm? <laughs> You need to turn your mind off, Tyler. Turn your mind right. off. Just listen to the tone of the guitar. Tyler is closing his eyes in an attempt to turn off his mind. 
<laughs> I like it. Tyler, you need to bring a song one of these times. Okay. I lo- I'm not. I like it. You're you're saying that like. If you don't like this, bring your own song. No, I don't mean it like that. Okay. Well, that's cool. It's the shading and the light. Yeah, I like it. There's rich, low voices. There's yeah. high, okay, low I, voices. Okay, I dig this. This part I like. <laughs> I like that undercurrent of the... Yeah. The, it's just driving all the time, no matter it's what It's very 90s. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. That's cool. Thank you. That's not. And we're done. That sounds like the tracks Marion okay. gives us before worship. The song that I brought. <laughs> <laughs> that song has a fake ending, just like the one that I brought. Fake I, ending? Yeah, it ends and then everybody starts to. It's live. The That's thing that the I theme. That's the theme of, of the day. Yeah. Fake outs. Okay. All right. That was cool. That was a good song. So, Boy Genius, I'm going to go check them out when I get in my car. Because right. I do like Phoebe Bridgers. Mm-hmm. Bridgers? Bridges. Bridges? Bridges? Are you sure? No. <laughs> okay. Because I do like her. Uh, and so I'm going to go check it out. Thanks for bringing that. Okay. I brought a live version of Gallant. Do you know this, Marin? No, I do not. Okay. And. You've got to really be able to see him perform while he's performing, but the, the, still, the, this is mostly because the guitar player reminds me of someone I know really well. <laughs> Tim, uh, he reminds you of yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, I've had a number of people who know me tell me upon seeing this that that hmm. all of my children said independently of each other upon seeing this, because it's a... It was something that was on the BBC. Mm-hmm. And they said, Dad, that guy plays just like you. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> okay, let's take it. Take it from there. This is called Weight in Gold. This makes me feel warm. <laughs> I feel warm now. All right. So you like those R&B vibes? Yeah. Man, he's making serious eye contact. Hmm. They remind me of a Huckleberry Funk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is good. Tim, is this what you like do your gardening to? Do you listen to music when you're outside working? Not usually, but this would be what I would listen to. <laughs> okay, now listen to, listen to the guitar player. Now listen. That's Tim Ayers, ladies and gentlemen. It's the blues. Front man, yeah, good eye contact. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> he's into it. How did you discover this song, Tim? Huh. 
on um, on that show on the BBC. Um, I can't remember his name. He, he has Jules like, Holland. Oh yeah, it's a good show. kitchen this morning and my wife is singing this song that's the best I think I love that woman oh. listen to this bridge Well, not not pot appropriate. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> he's he's into it. This guy's into it. Look at that guitar. Yeah. That synth bass is nice. All right. So what is that? Is that a keyboard? Yeah, she's playing the bass. She's really good. This is the fake end. <laughs> now listen to the guitar player. Done, Tim. Thank you for that musical. I don't. Uh, I'm sorry, I get so worked up. <laughs> I just can't help. You, the, the, oh. the, the friend of the pod, missed all of Tim's dance moves. Yeah, we were throughout that song. Tim was dancing, grooving. Well, that's just where my heart is. That's where it all started. <laughs> I have often. I had a. My, my grandfather on my mom's side would sneak me off to the back of the house and play me rhythm and blues. Wow. Because everybody thought it was sinful. Mm-hmm. And he just say, it, the first thing, I know this sounds weird, but the first thing was like, you got to listen to the ink spots. Timmy, come in here and listen to, I was probably six. Wow. And then it was, you got to listen to Muddy Waters. Mm. And you got to, and he would do this secretly. And so I was really spoon fed on rhythm and blues and nobody else in my life was at all. And I was digging it. And when yeah. I hear something like that, when I hear a guitar player like that, I think, it it justifies my existence as a musician. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so when I heard that guitar, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. When I heard that guitar, I thought of John Mayer? Yeah, bluesy. Yeah, bluesy. Strat okay. sound. Okay. Yeah, that's not a Strat that, that he's playing. but that's, that's a Les Paul. No, it's not. It's a Guild guild Bluesbird. That's the only other thing I know. It looks like a Les Paul. Yeah, it does. It looks like For a, sure. But it's Gold a, top. <laughs> it's not, I'm talking about guitars like Maren's talking about trains Trolling and boats. Motor? Yeah. I had, you know, I had, I've probably mentioned this, but I had a 50, 1953 a Les Paul gold top with a trapeze um, bridge. And I played it from when I was about 19 till I was probably 27. And for some reason I sold it 
for three hundred dollars. Oh wow, Tim! To buy, I, I went down to Gruen's in Nashville and I bought a pre Gibson Epi jazz guitar because everybody was playing the big fat jazz guitars. And I got that guitar home and boy, was it beautiful until I actually plugged it in with a band. And I had to stand literally 40 feet away from an amp because it fed back uh-huh. so terribly. Wow. And it was worthless for what I wanted to do. And there's <laughs> oh, no. some, some guy out there bought a new house in Bridgewater <laughs> with what he got from my 1953 gold top. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> on that note? Yeah, on that note. note. Yeah. Uh, Tim, thanks for being here. Uh, have a great time. Thank you. Thank you. I'm on your sabbatical. I'm pretty relaxed. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, you came in here saying you were extra caffeinated, so we knew we, we were going to get some dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Barry should be back next week. And we can talk about uh, double sermon. Marin, Marin's up for for sermon sermon duty. So. I'm up for sermon duty. Who's uh Who's leading worship this weekend? Amy Snow is leading okay. worship here. All right. So yeah. featuring Jaden Gaffern on drums. Oh, he's not singing again. You know, it helps me to have him here when I preach. So I'm just like, hey, bud, you want to drum all weekend? <laughs> so I, I don't know if everybody knows this. Last time we did a show. It was before everybody knew Jaden could sing. Oh, yeah. So he is since. Cat's out of the bag. And he's like my wife's favorite human being <laughs> on the planet right now because he's just so adorable with his like PJs. What was he wearing? He's like pajamas and dancing around the stage singing so, worship. Yeah, we're we're we've embarked on some new territory, as I've mentioned before. The boy yeah. is driving now. Yeah. And I was already here at the building and he drove himself to meet me here for our covenant communities yeah. core team meeting. And he arrived in his like black, like Jersey. Yeah. Like know, mesh like, shorts. Yeah. I guess they're basketball shorts. Yeah. Something like that, but they are what, I mean, he would sleep in those shorts. So I'm like, yeah. Wow, man. Wow. I wear what he was wearing is what I wear Saturday mornings <laughs> when I go to get donuts. The only thing he wasn't wearing is like kids, the slippers part. Kids these days are so yeah. casual. Yeah. Anyways, so he's drumming this weekend. Yeah, Amy Snow's leading and I'm preaching. All right. Great. Can't wait. Uh, so on that note, Marin, will you please send us out? I sure will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Sunday.